Hello, and welcome to Storyteller In-Depth, a podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn more about the School of Communications, Media Arts and Designs, People, Places, and Things. I'm your host, Pat Quigley. In today's episode, we'll be exploring the intersection of artificial intelligence and the gaming industry. Games have undergone significant transformations over the years, and now with the integration of AI, they are changing once again. But is this a change for the better? To provide us with more insight, we have Brian Sinisak joining us. Brian is the program coordinator for our gaming development program and has extensive experience in the animation and gaming industries. He will share a little bit more about his journey into this industry, provide insight into some ways AI is being used in gaming, how he's approaching the topic to his students, and so much more. Let's get started. Thank you, Brian, so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Yeah. So before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and provide listeners with an overview of your experience in animation and game development, as well as the types of programs you've worked on over the years? Sure. Uh, so uh, I didn't have a traditional route. What's considered to be a traditional route now? Things have changed a lot since I entered into the entertainment industry. Um, originally, my background is engineering. So I did a degree in engineering. Really long time ago, I did a degree in engineering, and I worked as an engineer for a long time. Um, I specialized in electrical engineering, and I worked a lot. Uh, I worked a lot in um, things like data networks uh, for for big companies. Uh, and after some time, actually, at one of the companies I was working at, uh, they went through some downsizing, and they offered people the opportunity to volunteer for layoff, and I ended up taking that option because they paid us a decent amount of money and I went back to school and I did a degree in fine arts and animation particularly and after that uh, my wife and I moved from where we lived we were living in Montreal and, and we moved to Toronto and in Toronto I had no contacts so I did a postgraduate diploma at Sheridan in in uh, character animation and I worked as an animator for quite a number of years uh, on feature films, on uh, children's shows. So on feature films, like I worked on a Harry Potter film. I worked on uh, Resident Evil. I worked on Piranha 3D. I don't know how many people are going to admit to seeing that one, but I worked on that. Uh, and, it, you know, some Disney films, that kind of thing. And, and I've worked on a lot of children's shows like um, Guess with Jess and Chuck the Truck and... And that's um, a lot of like the children's shows that were around when my kids were actually growing up, which was really nice. Uh, after a while, I started to be interested in games. I'd always been interested in games and I pursued uh, some opportunities within the game industry. And at that point in time, uh, my kids were, were getting uh, to an age where my wife and I had to consider staying home. We, at the time, uh, daycare was really expensive. And I have twins. I have twin girls. And uh, it was going to be something like $50,000 to leave my kids with someone else. So I actually decided to stay home uh, and and work as an animator uh, in uh you know, kind of a, as a contract animator working from home. And I, I thought, you know, having kids, it's going to be easy. They just lay there, they lay in a crib. What do you do, right? I can work all day. And as it turned out, having to take care of kids was really, really hard. Uh, it was really hard. And uh, I ended up taking uh, uh, quite a bit of time off. Uh, I, I actually stayed with my, my little girls for, for almost uh, four years. And at the end of the four years, when they were going to go to to uh, school when they were going to go to junior kindergarten, 
um, I I started to consider what my options were for 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 work. And at that time, I decided that you know I could teach. I was approached by someone to teach. Uh, and I said, sure, I'll, I'll teach in, in, uh, in the gaming programs that are available uh, around the city. And as I mentioned, I, I went to, I, I taught at, uh, I've taught at uh, George Brown, I've taught at York, I've taught at uh, Centennial now. Um, and when I, when, I, when I did so, um, when I had done so, I, I kind of realized that this is something I wanted to do. I wanted to teach full time. So I ended up doing a master's in uh, interactive design and game development. So that's kind of the route that I took through gaming and into the current position as a coordinator of the game development program here at Centennial. Wow. So what, I mean, going from an engineer to animation to game development, like that's in, in my brain, I'm going, that's such a huge leap. So what led mm -hmm. you first to go into animation and then why game development from there? So game development and animation, I, I've loved both. I, I've been a gamer since I was little, uh, and I and even as a, a, a young young person, I did game development on my old Commodore 64. Really simple games. Mm -hmm. Games were just kind of coming out at the time. A lot of arcade systems and a lot of uh, you know, the Atari 2600 had you know just come out, and I had that kind of thing, and I loved games. So it's it was a passion that I've always had. Both that and animation. Animation. As a storyteller, animation was a great way for me to kind of tell the stories that I wanted to tell. So it wasn't it wasn't as a big a leap as you think. Both engineering and anything with entertainment really requires imagination. It requires you to think uh, externally, uh, uh, to extrapolate ideas and, and, and to move things forward. So it wasn't a big leap and it was really a passion that I'd always had. So and interestingly, back then, you, you had to kind of take a route like that to get into games. There was no direct route. There was no, you couldn't go into a program that allowed you to learn how to make games back then. You you went one direction or another, you became a coder or you became an artist, and then you slowly worked your way up into, into some position within a game studio. Now... A lot of students are able to kind of go directly into the their their career their passion their 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 career ideas. They can go directly into level design. They can go directly into art. They can go directly into these things from programs that are offered at, at colleges and universities. So it wasn't a really big jump for me. It was something that I always wanted to do. And when opportunities arose, you know, being laid off or volunteering for that layoff, when that opportunity arose, uh, it was just a chance for me to try what I really wanted to do. And obviously you probably had a lot of fun doing that kind of thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I loved it working for big studios, working for, for game studios or animation studios. Uh, it was really different experience to engineering as far as the, the, the work environment was concerned. Uh, there was a lot more fun. There was a lot more excitement that was happening within those studios. The pay was half. Uh, but again, I think at some point in your life, you kind of realize that, that yeah, I have to eat, but I also have to, you know, live life and enjoy life every day. So it's really important to really follow your passion if you're if you're able to. Oh, for sure. I'm just thinking like, because th this is part of the the AI series, right? And and that's where this conversation is slowly going to get to. Um, but just the the change since when you began to where the gaming industry is is transforming now has it been such. Like, what is that like in, in from your eyes? Yeah, so for certain, AI has 
the definition of AI, I think, is kind of changing and how we understand AI is kind of changing. There's always been AI within games. Artificial intelligence is a decision-making process that's involved with games. So if you've created an enemy within a digital game and that enemy has to do something, it has to make decision or it has to follow a path. If it's moving from one location to the other, it has to follow a path using an algorithm like A-star. Uh, to allow it to decide where it's going to go. And, and we refer to that oftentimes as AI. But you know the, the big thing that's happening now within not just the game industry, but just around the world is this idea of generative AI. Mm-hmm. We, haven't, we haven't hit the point of a general AI yet, and, and I hope that's a ways off because uh, there's some you know fears and ideas around that. But as far as generative AI is concerned, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely something that's new and, and exciting. I think it's exciting anyway. Um, it's allowing a lot of different opportunities that we we didn't have as far as production is concerned, as far as the, the speed at which we can we can produce things is concerned. Uh, absolutely. Well, that's what I was just about to ask. I'm like to to kind of compare what it was like to create those those enemy um, algorithms and everything, and to to where how it's being used now. Like what. What are those differences and contrasts to how it used to be done to how it could be done with AI? So utilizing AI, and we utilize AI in so many different ways within game. Uh, even if we just take a look at just the purely development of it, just the, 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 the development tools that we have. Uh, anytime that I'm coding, for example, uh, built into the different systems that we use are autocompletes. And those autocompletes are or it's basically an AI saying, I think you're going to write this and, and let me try and complete this for you. So in really simple terms, that's a that's been appearing for a short while anyway within our tools that we're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's gone much farther now. Uh, people can give an idea to something like uh, ChatGTP, uh, say, you know, I'd like you to write me code for this language that does this, and it will develop a code snippet for you. Whether or not those those code snippets are directly usable are, are questionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they end up kind of spaghetti, uh, meaning that they're they're everything's jammed together and maybe not as logical as you'd like it to be. It might work, but oftentimes it's it's built in such a way that it it's not something that you want to use. So there has been a lot of changes in the industry, even as far as things like uh, uh, concept art. Uh, there's there's software like or AIs like Midjourney that will allow us to generate art uh, based on either just a, a text input or giving it an image and saying make something like this. Uh, and again, a lot of times it doesn't produce something that's immediately usable, but it does allow us to work through concepts much quicker and, and go through ideas much quicker. Yeah, so it's almost like using it more as a time-saving tool and as like a start point instead of it being like the be-all, end-all. Yeah, I think so. That's where we're at right now. I I don't know how long this is going to take for us to change where it is the be-all, end-all. I, I don't know how far we are off from saying, write me a custom game or write me a custom movie or you know create all the visuals, everything. Just write me this about this. Or, or, you know, write me a game about this that does this. I don't know how far we are off from that. I don't, it's a number of years, mm-hmm. but I think that is definitely our future. At this point in time, uh, 
I use it as a starting point. I don't think I've taken anything raw and just slapped it in. Um, I'll use it as a starting point to generate, uh, uh, you know, the, the base of an image, and then I'll paint in whatever it is I need, or I'll create in what you know, I'll put in whatever it is I need. We are using it though for a lot of other things. It, it, it's so widespread within game now. I've mentioned we use it within code. I've mentioned that we use it within art, uh, but we're using it for storytelling. There is a an idea where in games we want to create a world. We want to create something that the, the player can become immersed within. And in the past, whenever we, we had to make a decision, are we going to add functionality to background characters? Are we going to add side stories? You know, is this something that we're wasting our time on? Is no one ever going to look at this? And this is, these are questions that we used to face. And we had to make decisions on whether or not we were going to spend time on something that might not ever be looked at. Well, there are, there are AI systems now. An example of one is called InWorld. And, and again, this is something that I've played with. It's not something that I'm endorsing, but uh, I played with it when it came out. And InWorld is, is a chat GTP type AI that you can add to background characters. And those background characters then, instead of having to create a narrative for every background character, a character that you know the player character might not ever interact with, it will automatically generate these things to kind of fill in that world space so that you can talk to anyone, any anything you see in that world, you can go and talk, any person, you can go and talk to them and they, they'll have a story that's being generated in real time based on, on this AI. So things like that, once it's been perfected, is going to remove a lot of time and effort that's required. People won't have to decide whether or not they want to include this stuff. The story will be there already. Wow. Like I'm just... I'm trying to like wrap my head around that. It's it that sounds truly incredible. But you know, it's doing something like that and having something that saves time, do you lose an element of that human touch? Like like where where does that lie? So this is a, a debate that my students have are having all the time. You know, some are on the side of AI, some are against the use of AI and a lot of students have said, you know, I, I, I don't think that we'd have that emotion, especially within the idea of narrative. Within the narrative space, we wouldn't have that emotion that we get uh, from a human. And by this time, you can often tell because sometimes the narratives are verbose and they, they go way over the top and and they use more common language than, than you're expecting. Um, or, or, or I guess not than you're expecting. You're just getting really common language. And, and so sometimes the AI is, is the AI generated stuff is, is spot. You can spot it pretty easily. But in other cases, we can produce things that you don't know. And I've asked my students, how do you know that what you're reading is is written by a person? You know, how do you know it's not AI? And and some of them have told me that, well, when I find out it's AI, then I don't like it anymore. I'll like it before I realize it's AI, then I won't like it anymore. So I, I'm I'm not sure if if we lose soul. Uh, the soul of the piece, because I think that it can be written in such a way that that it disguises, it disguises that uh, the, the computer nature of of the whole thing. So yes, this is something that we're, that we're going to have to face. I think as we're moving forward, I think it's going to become much more prevalent in the industry. We're actually doing a study right now. My students and I are doing a study right now. It's been it's been funded. Um, through SARL. And uh, what we're working on, there's there's a, a process right now called um, world building. And basically, it's the idea that 
every game takes place in a world space. That world space could be, you know, as big as a, a planet or it could be something small like a tavern or, or a hotel or, or just one small location. Mm-hmm. But whatever space that your game takes place in, it's it's still the world that the characters are within. And we have to fill in the ideas behind what that world is. So there's a couple of different ideas on how to generate world. Um, you can just start by listing out ideas that you need and start to write, you know, whatever it is you require. Uh, but there's another idea called um, uh, story-driven world design. And story-driven world design means you have an existing story and you want to pull elements from that story to be able to create a game within a particular world space that is within that 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 larger narrative world space. So right now, my students and I are working on a project where they are writing stories or or situations, and we are going to go through a workshop where we sit down and we allow ChatGTP to analyze the story that's been written based on its environment or whatever questions we ask, and then from there we are going to delve deeper into particular aspects of, a, of an area of that world that we want to design a game in. And we're going to see if, and I, I know it can do it, I, I just want to see if it can actually do it properly, if we actually get something that, that's that's easier and, and more usable than having one person create it. Something I do want to mention, and I think it's really important to understand this, is, is when we're talking about AI, uh, whether it's concept art or whether it's a story or, or whatever it is, an AI can produce a million times more content than a human being can. You know, very, very quickly, I could have it create hundreds and hundreds of images in a matter of seconds. So it's not that the AI can't do this work. The problem is that someone still has to go through and figure out what is usable from the content that's been produced. So if our time is no longer about producing something, our time is going to have to be spent going through what has been produced to find what's usable and where we want to go with it, with that that data that's produced. I think that's going to be a, a big point in the future, having to have someone go through everything, spend time and effort to go through everything that's been produced uh, to find what we actually want. Oh, for sure. I know I, I've been doing that personally with my job, and I hate to admit that, and hopefully my bosses don't ever re- see this, but like I've gone through and I've used ChatGPT and, and other um, AI generative softwares to help create some scripts, right? Mm-hmm. And to go through and like, okay, I need a script. And then I'm like, okay, I'll change the wording here and do another one and do another one. And then mm-hmm. I'll kind of Frankenstein four or five different pieces into this one piece when really it probably could have took me a lot less time to just do it myself, right? To write Sometimes. it all myself. But I went, I'm almost using it as a crutch. And do you see that as being like a, a challenge that AI could produce in game development or the gaming industry in general? That it's used as a crutch? Yeah, to use it as like, well, I don't have these ideas. I'm going to use something else to make my ideas for me. And then I'll just improve upon that. I don't know if I would call that a crutch as much as I'd call it uh, a tool. I mean, even if we look at narrative now, they had those 
they had those wheels that if you had writer's block, you could spin the wheel and it's like, whoa, main character stumbles or, you know, what, there was those weird wheels that you could have uh, to help you get through your writer's block. So again, it, it's just a tool. I don't know if it's a crutch um, where we get our inspiration, whether it's from a walk in the park or whether it's from something that someone said out loud uh, in the past or, or whether it's something that, that's generated. I don't know if if we should throw away ideas just because of where they came from uh, i definitely wouldn't suggest that in fact uh, a lot of game now one of the courses that we teach in uh in game development is a course that's based in dungeons and dragons so dungeons and dragons is a role-playing game in case no one's played it dungeons and dragons is a role-playing game and uh that role-playing game requires one person to be kind of the 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 director of a story and then other players are then participating in that interactive story and then it's basically improv where they work together to create this narrative and uh, several of my students and some of my faculty have been using things like ChatGTP to run a story so rather than have someone who's in charge of actually telling the story they have been using ChatGTP to be that person that that organizes that person being that 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 I don't know what you'd call it, the player who is organizing the ideas mm -hmm. and the players are still interacting with that, that AI and generating this interactive story. So it's been used for things like that now pretty successfully. Wow. Yeah, it's one of the, you know, I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons myself, but it's always something that's fascinated me in, in many ways um, to, to do that world building and to, to play in that sandbox, right? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously AI is something that, you know, when, when that comes down the line, that could be something that really expands that world, right. And, and getting to do it where you get to do it online, you get to do it with friends and stuff like that. So I think, right. you know, that that's, that's something that can definitely lend its hand to it yep. at the end For of the sure. day. Once something that came to me, um, from the previous question is like, you know, I've been, if I'm using AIs for ideas, it kind of no longer becomes my idea anymore. So what are kind of like the, the issues with, with that aspect of things where you're using these ideas that weren't really your ideas to begin with, even though you're cobbling it together? So I don't know if it's not your idea, because I think in many situations, you have something that you are thinking, right? There, there's something that has to be used as a prompt to start generating that initial idea. So if you're using something like a generative uh, text AI, um, you have to type something in there to actually start that process. I Theoretically, you could just say, tell me a story and it's going to make something up. But typically when we are creating something, we have a point that we know we're trying to get to. That's a big part of design. Uh, a big part of design is fully understanding the problem that you're trying to solve. And the idea of design thinking, capital you know, D, design thinking, capital T thinking. Um, understanding the problem is the, the first step. So whenever we approach an AI, we don't go with nothing. We go with something in our head. And, and maybe we even have an idea of where we want it to go. In the future, having that idea and starting off with an appropriate prompt is what's going to allow us to to utilize AI as a generative tool. If we have no ideas and we're just taking whatever's spit out, um, then you're correct. Then it's not ours. It's someone else's. But typically, 
we have that idea, we start off with the proper prompt, and from there we are working, uh, we're working hand in hand with that AI to to work on those ideas. It's I don't think it's any different than if you and I were talking and we were writing a story together and, and we went through a brainstorming session. I would look at it in much the same way. Well, it's a good, it's a good viewpoint to look at it. Cause I know I struggle with that idea sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm taking all these different things to create something new, but it was, maybe it was never my idea to begin with. So it's like an internal struggle that I have, right. That you're like, oh, am I stealing? Am I not stealing? But how you explained it, you know, is that it was originally my idea in the first place. I just had like a story starter, if you would, to, to help me create the end goal. Now. Am I stealing or am I not stealing? That's a different question. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, am I stealing or am I not stealing is definitely a different question. So depending on the AI you're using, the AI has been trained on a data set or data set. If you have trained that data set on the entirety of the internet and it's pulled information from other places, then you might be using someone else's ideas. Or if you've trained an image generator on images that are existing out there, then you might be using someone else's ideas. It, it's literally going in and, and scraping the internet, finding things that match your prompt. So. Yes, it might actually, and, and I've had this where I have utilized uh, a generative uh, art AI, and I can see watermarks, and uh, that's a watermark right there, so I know that this is something that was probably not meant uh, for free consumption. Now, there are definite methods that you can use to train your own AI, where you can use um, either fully licensed or you could, let's say, have your own artist uh, create a bunch of images and then utilizing those images, train your AI on that data set. And then from there, it'll generate new ideas based on, let's say, your artist's ideas that were originally there. In that particular case, obviously, if we have that artist's permission to use their art, then I wouldn't suggest the stealing. But in the cases where we're we're utilizing some of these free AIs uh, that are available to us, or even some of these you know um, uh, commonly available AIs where we're scraping the internet, that's a really gray area whether or not we're stealing. If there's a watermark there, we obviously are stealing. But uh, so I think it's two different questions: um, whether or not this is something that we're working on to generate an idea or whether or not we're stealing are two different questions. Kind of playing with like apples and bananas almost with this question, eh? <laughs> mm -hmm. So you are also, you are the program coordinator for the game. <clears throat> Sorry. As the program coordinator for the game development program at Centennial, you've obviously been talking a lot about the approach of AI with your students. So what is, yes. what is that like? So some of my students are really for it. Some of my students are really against it. And I think it's important to understand that regardless of whether we're for it or against it, it's not something that's going away. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that my students understand what tools are currently available. Um, I do talk about them in class. We do have discussions about whether or not they're ethical and, and the same thing that we're talking about here, whether or not this is my actual idea or am I just stealing this from someone else. We, we do have the, those conversations, but I think it's really important that my students understand what tools are out there and what tools are available because it will affect their future. This is not something we've ever had to face or I've never had to face 
I didn't have to face these ideas. And it's something that the, the next generation of game developers will definitely have to face. So it's very, very important that they that they say they know how to use the tools, they know how to you know create proper prompts, they know how to identify uh, what it is they're looking for and be able to direct the AI in the right way. So we, we examine these tools in, in our courses. How do you how do you integrate that into the course material? Like, do you have to revamp things to to change because of the the future of AI, or you know, is it is it more just a conversation topic? And you're like, we need to learn the the basics and the original ideas of how game development is, and and how that goes. Well, we definitely explore the basics. It's not that I have replaced everything. And in fact, what I ask of my students is that in the case where we have given an assignment that's asking them to create art, as an example, that the uh, art they create is their own. They, I don't want them using an AI to generate the art for their art classes. However, if they are working on, let's say, the design of a level and they want to, you know, the level design itself is about the flow through a game. It's about sight lines. It's about choke points. It's about all these different things that they have to consider. I don't mind if they use things like a, uh, like a generative art uh, AI to generate art that's going into that particular assignment because that's not what the assignment's about. So in those particular cases, I don't mind at all. I don't know if we have to revamp everything. I think that it should be included. I think that every program should include a, dis a frank discussion about the direction the industry is going as far as AI is concerned, things that their students should know so they're not surprised when they leave. Uh, but I do think that the fundamentals are still really important. Again, like I said previously, it's, it's important that you are able to prompt the AI to go in the direction you want, regardless of whether we're talking about narrative or talking about art or code. If we can't identify the direction we want to go by understanding the fundamentals, then we don't know if we're going the right way at all. Yeah, no kidding. And like, so like, as we're talking about material, what would you say are some of the areas in game development that you're teaching to your students that may not have existed like 10 to 15 years ago? So for certain, it's uh, it's the initial effect or the initial point that we saw it affecting people was in the art, in the art side of things. And my program does focus on art. We start right away in first year with an idea of concept art, uh, with idea of visual language, so that regardless of what aspect of game you're interested in, you can still express yourself visually. Um, so we, we, we move into that. And the professor that I have teaching that course, he's fantastic. He, he does everything by hand, obviously, still. And we had to have a, a discussion with the students about the use of AI in generating those initial ideas and those initial silhouettes and that kind of thing. Um, so that wasn't something that was available in the past. In the past, it took a, a really strong artist to be able to express their original ideas and then to, to move on to a fully rendered image. It took a, a really strong artist. Now we can start to utilizing a generative AI, art AI, we can generate silhouettes and shapes and volumes and that kind of thing that allow my students to start expressing themselves even if they're not artists. They can at least understand like, I, I, this is the way I want it to go. So that, that wasn't available uh, in the past. Um, you know, AI, uh, even just last year, there's big conferences every year for game. And typically you have to submit a paper that is what you're going to talk about six months in advance before the conferences occur. 
And last year, there was no discussion at the conferences about AI. But outside, externally, everyone's talking about AI because it had exploded so quickly within that space. The, the generative tools have become, you know, advanced so quickly uh, that even the conferences weren't able to keep up with it. I'm, I'm sure this year all the conferences will, will have huge discussions on the use of AI within whatever space you're interested in. Yeah, I think AI is not going to obviously be leaving people's minds anytime soon. And the the idea of AI growing um, both is exciting and scary. Right. And like, how does that, I'm just thinking about it for, I've thought of, I've talked about it with other people in their industries. Is it a scary eventuality in the gaming industry? If AI were to just create full games by itself and do all of that work? Is it scary? I mean, I just think it's a reality. I don't think we're too far off from, from science fiction shows like Star Trek, where, mm -hmm. you know, the, the captain says, uh, engineer, we need 25% more engine power. And the engineer says, okay, Captain. And the engineer then yells, 25% more computer, 25% more uh, uh, engine power. And the computer does it. Then the, the engineer reports back to the captain, well, we did it. You know, I don't think we're too far. Well, we're a number of years away, but that's that's our eventual future. Uh, that's, you know, I hope we're not Wally. -E. I hope we're Star Trek and not Wally. -E. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's our future. I don't know if we're too far from being able to produce games that are custom made for a single individual. We're using it for Dungeons and Dragons. We we use it to, to have the the AI run our games. And if it can do that, if it can track the, the narrative through our game already, then we're not so far off from having it generate all of it. Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, some of the games that I've played in the past and how AI could change those things. Is there is there any specific games that you think would benefit from the introduction of AI to them? Any game where we don't have time to fill in background characters will benefit from it for certain. Any game, uh, you know, if, if in the future we decided to have a game that we wanted to star ourselves in, there's no reason why that can't happen. Uh, there's, there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't build, even right now, custom custom narratives that are built into games uh, we run a jam so it's a 14 week semester we run 13 academic weeks and the final week of our semester is a jam and i take students from the three cohorts i mix them together in small teams of about five or six students and there's a secret theme and they have one week to generate a game wow. and last year one of the teams did the entire thing with ai they they produced a simplistic game, um, a Pong-like game, a little fancier than Pong, but a Pong-like game that was 100% generated through AI. The art, the code, every, everything was generated through AI. And when I talked to them about their experience afterwards, they said, well, something that I could have written in code myself pretty simply, the AI struggled with it to give me exactly what I was looking for. I could have written this in half the time uh, but the AI I was using was struggling with it and I had to keep going over it because there were so many errors within, mm -hmm. within the code. Uh, so it can do it right now. We can make these custom games, but they do take a little bit of extra prompting and again, an idea and a direction 
that we want it to go is is up to the prompt engineer i think is what the the future the future uh, title is going to be prompt engineer uh it's going to take that prompt engineer time to make sure that they're pushing the ai in the direction that they want it to to go wow that's so cool it's interesting to know that somebody's like oh you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna use this new tool that people keep talking about and we're gonna make a whole thing out of it and and the you know the the roadblocks and the struggles and is no different for any industry that there's always going to be a, a prompt engineer, as you said, to extrapolate that idea that are, that generated thing into a real thing. So that's that's really mm-hmm. cool. So to round things off, if you could have access to any AI feature or tool that would assist you in either your work or even just day to day, what would it be? I give some some thought because you know we could we could say you know make me a custom game make me a custom a custom show you know this this could be the future I want to see a show about this and and it generates it for you live and or in real time I should say and it it could really change the entertainment industry to be custom to an individual's taste but that would be really selfish if I chose something like that uh, if I was going to choose something that an AI could do. I would want it to work on solutions for things that we have a hard time doing. You know, how can we, you know, how can we uh, reverse climate change? You know, how can we better screen for cancer? How can we early identify cancers? You know, uh, are there better cures for you know, things like that is what I would want it to do. AI can be something that, that makes our lives better for certain. I mean, it could decide that we're all insects and destroy us, but uh, it could definitely change lives. It can make our lives better. My, my parents have been using an AI for a long time, and they don't realize it. They didn't realize until we had a conversation when they, you know, when they're asking Alexa, Alexa, what's the weather? Alexa, how will late the store open? They don't realize that that Alexa is actually an AI they've been using for a long time. My, my parents are frightened of the idea that AI is going to take over the world, and 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 they're helping it by by utilizing AI in their own homes right now. Uh, so I, I would hope that that our future is uh, is one that is made better for everyone through the use of, of an AI, something that that cures disease and cures world hunger and, and things like that. That a lot of times, uh, you know, we we struggle for a solution right now. Wow. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time and for for chatting today. We could talk about AI and and game development for hours. I'm sure. Yep, we could. <laughs> fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Brian, for sharing your insights and experience surrounding how AI is helping enhance and transform games. Now, as I was wrapping up the interview with Brian, he shared the idea that I should interview an AI tool. Now, the idea of this is equal parts cool and kind of terrifying, but I thought I would try it out on just one question. So let's try the popular chat GPT tool and see what it has to think about gaming and AI. All right, so my prompt is, what is your personal opinion on gaming and AI? Is AI going to take over how people develop games? And its response starts off with, I don't have personal opinions, as I am just a machine learning model created by OpenAI. All right, well, I guess that's a good start. It continues to provide some examples of the ways AI is impacting the gaming industry and finishes it off with the following. However, it's important to note that while AI is becoming increasingly prevalent in game development, it is not likely to completely replace human creativity and design. Gaming development is a multidisciplinary field that involves artistic, narrative, and emotional elements, 
that AI may struggle to fully replicate. Instead, AI is seen as a tool that can augment and enhance the capabilities of game developers, enabling them to create more sophisticated and immersive experiences. You know what? I'll take that. That aligns exactly with what Brian just said. It's so reassuring to hear as well. If you enjoyed learning more about AI, especially in different industries, you'll definitely want to check out the other episodes in this series. And while you're at it, let us know how you like this episode. You can give our podcast a follow on your favorite podcast listening platform to stay updated on our latest episode releases. And we also post about our episodes on our Instagram at Story Art Center. Until next time, I'm your host, Pat Quigley, and this is Storyteller In Depth. Thank you.